Welcome back to Grit, Grace, and Coffee Grinds. This is your host, Anna McCutcheon, and you're listening to episode 49. What we are currently seeing and experiencing in our world today is the aftermath of a 50-year organized strategic attack on the Church of America. Political podiums and gospel pulpits were once used for standing against the enemy, speaking truth to the masses and protecting it with laws penned into existence by men of God who feared not for their very life. God's own soldiers can no longer speak truth without sounding harsh, cruel, radical, or even foolish and absent-minded. Listen, soldier, the truth matters to God, and so it must matter to us. We need to stand, speak truth, regain lost ground, and protect our rights, our families, with tenacious ferocity. We are here to talk about the truth, the nitty-gritty truth, the good the bad, the ugly truth. Listen in. Of course, you can't make it very far into a biblical study of trees and bearing fruit until you make it back to Psalm 1, which was made famous in churches all across the country by Ron Hamilton, who made it into a song. As soon as I give you the first four words, I know you're going to start humming it the rest of the day. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So at first glance, of course, my goal-driven achievement self asks the question, what does his fruit mean? And more importantly, what does his season mean? Because if we're supposed to bear fruit in certain seasons, then I need to know if I have a dry season or a more fruitful season, and then how to prepare and prevent attacks in those seasons. My sister and I were talking about this passage recently, and I was posing some of my questions to her about fruit bearing and tree purging and just what it means to be a fruit bearing Christian. If there are certain kinds of fruit, does it have more to do with our individual personalities or the actual works of righteousness we do out of love for Jesus. And what exactly are we talking about with the seasons? Seasons of grief, seasons of joy, dry seasons? How many seasons? My sister would make a great debater. Have you ever seen those political debates where one candidate is just unloading on another candidate and when they are finally finished with their question or tirade, the other one answers, Are you ready for my answer? My answer is no. She put all my questions to rest by asking me, Anna, is there anything particularly wrong if this passage is just saying, bear fruit? You tend to struggle so much with your identity in Christ and his acceptance of you 
you have convinced yourself that the only way to prove that you're a Christian to those who you think it needs proven to is to always do the best and be the best and perform the best and achieve the gold medal no matter the cost. Is being a tree and producing fruit for Jesus not enough? This was very interesting to me because one of the main temptations that Satan uses to shake our identity is comparison. In this case, the temptation to compare our fruit to another's. The temptation to compare our job to another's. The temptation to compare our relationships or our platform to another's. During my college years, my comparison radar wasn't usually pinpointing a person, but rather a position. There were numerous leadership positions that were available by invitation only to both men and women who demonstrated excellent Christian character and maturity. It wasn't long before my sister and I occupied some of these invitation only opportunities on campus. Everything from collegiate chaplain and prayer leaders to service extension leader, and finally, the coveted position of floor leader. There was just one more position above the floor leader, and that was the resident assistant. It wasn't too difficult to ascertain what the senior leadership and what the student deans were looking for, and we both began climbing the ranks by our sophomore year. By my senior year, I thought I was in the running for the resident assistant position. I got the expected call slip to the dean's office about the same time one would expect to get it, two to three months before the end of the school year. I was so excited. This was it. This was pretty close to the Christian Olympics, and I had made it. I had successfully demonstrated my value to the college and to my dorm supervisor. I checked in with the secretary and waited in the lobby. When I was called into the dean's office, I saw two very grim-faced women that didn't give me the feeling they were about to bestow greatness upon me. No greeting formalities, no smiles, only, Anna, what were you thinking? Mattress surfing with your girls down the hallways and stairs? Go ahead, you can laugh at me all you want, but any one of those girls I surfed with would say it was one of the funnest nights of our college careers. It would also be safe to assume I did not get chosen for the resident assistant position that year. There are two trees mentioned in Psalm 1. The first one, very fruitful, always rooted in truth and drinking in the water of the word. This tree represents the Christian who is meditating day and night on the word and delights in it. On a side note, I looked up the word delight because I was curious about just how the word of God should affect the Christian who makes it his priority. Delight, a high degree of pleasure, satisfaction of mind, joy. Delight is a more permanent pleasure than joy and not dependent on sudden excitement. That was an unexpected truth bomb for me. Man, ignorance truly is bliss. When a soldier is delighted by and delighting in the law of his God, there is no spare time to compare, neither is there gratification in it. And then there is the ungodly representation of a tree. It's chaff that the wind drives away. 
It's not even a tree, and it's not producing fruit, and it is not delighting in the law of the Lord. In fact, it is the exact opposite. This passage is just comparing two kinds of people. Very broad strokes are being painted here. This is not focused on the kind of fruit or the variety of seasons each tree may experience or grow through. It is saying, don't be the chaff. Don't be that scornful man. Be intentional. Intentionally spend your time, spend your energy, purpose on being rooted and grounded and built up in the law of the Lord. And you will naturally produce fruit and represent the kingdom well. The chaff, the scornful man, is not even capable of producing fruit for the kingdom. The nitty-gritty truth is this. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Isn't that enough for me? The truth is, it can be. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Grit, Grace, and Coffee Grinds. If you would like to connect beyond the podcast, I post weekly to Instagram, where you can find me at author Anna McCutcheon. And you can also find me over at annamccutcheon.com. We can provide a transcript for each episode, so if you know someone who either can't hear or prefers reading to listening, simply head on over to annamccutcheon.com slash about and send us a quick note asking for the episode that hits your fancy and it will be sent to you. Soldier, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.